Come on, piggies. We're back. Homesteads and Homeschools, episode number 31. Here today, I'm going to have a guy named Josh on, and he um, he runs the program. He runs the show. He takes care of things over at White Mountains Livestock Company. He, we, we talked about pork. talked mostly about raising pigs and and kind of what goes into that, if uh, if you couldn't tell from the lovely little introduction there. But yeah, Josh, Josh runs the show over there, and uh, we talked kind of how he got into the pork pork business, I guess, and um, you know some of the little bit of the regulations kind of behind what's going on. Uh, as you'll hear, you know he, he can't sell to just anyone. It's it's pretty um, fairly localized. But you know we got into some of the the regulations, some of um, you know what differentiates him from other pork producers in the sense of uh, of definitions of words. What does it mean to be organic or all natural or any of these things? Um, it's kind of scary, you know, when you think about all these different terms and what they mean. And, and when you, you know, I think we've all come to realize that, that words, definitions don't always mean what they mean. Um, you know, cage-free doesn't always mean cage-free in the sense that, uh, you know, the, the chicken's out in the grass and free-ranging or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, you know, we kind of kind of talked about that. It was a good time, fun time. Enjoyed myself. I, I think Josh enjoyed himself. If you are in the Arizona area, and if you want to pick up some pork, check it out. He's got some good stuff, and uh, definitely check out his website. And uh, they, there's lots of good information on there, and he's got some some fun YouTube videos, good YouTube videos with uh, with information in there that are is it's pretty helpful. It's good good stuff to to use as a resource. So, so without further ado, let's go plant those liberty seeds with Josh over at White Mountains Livestock. I got too much pork, just one pork. Won't you pass that apple pie? Got too much pork, just one pork. Won't you pass that apple pie? I said, Hey, Miss Riddle, Miss Riddle, Miss Gang. Kill the pig with a tambourine. Everybody got a happy, everybody got glad. Till the weather turned warm and that a pig went bad. Uh, my guest today is Josh, who runs the show, runs the program over at White Mountains Livestock. Um, he's got uh, a whole bunch of stuff going on there that you can check out on his, his YouTube page, um, but I will let him tell you a little bit about that later. Um, so Josh, thanks for thanks for coming on the show today. Um, I know things can get busy, especially when you have little ones running around, you're trying to juggle around their schedules, so, uh, so thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Um, so yeah, I mean you're you're out there in, in Arizona. I'm over here in Georgia. You know, pretty pretty toasty now. But um, so what what do you got going on outside? I know you you kind of it's not just livestock, right? You have you have more of a a little bit of a homestead setup um, that you guys take care of for for yourselves, correct? Uh, kind of. We're actually uh, my wife ended up. The better job she took over a GM position at uh, Little Caesars over here. So we actually moved up here with some friends of ours, and uh, we're staying kind of staying on their property right now in a travel trailer until we get you know everything worked out. And finding a place is rough up here, but we uh, 
a little parcel property front that we picked up that we're kind of doing everything on. Um, got a garden going over here, which is interesting. I've actually never grown anything that my livestock usually eat. Uh, usually it's the livestock. That we do. Um, but, you know, the wife's been logging a lot of hours at work, so I kind of took over that. Um, so I got that going. I got the hogs going. Horses and training, uh, hoping to move into cattle in the next two years. The ideal. All right. Did Did you grow up um, growing things, gardening, or, or working with livestock, or, or stuff like that, or is this something that came on to you later in life? You decided this would be a good idea. Actually, I grew up. I grew up doing some stuff with uh, cattle. Um, my uncle did hogs when I was younger. Uh, I never really had too much of an interest in them. Um, and then finally, you know, I ended up taking an IT job, moving in the city, moving into the city and, uh, ended up going, uh, running as a bull rider on the pro tour for a couple of years, got hurt and, uh, kind of had to figure out my way back. And what felt natural was coming back to this, you know, it's, it's kind of how I grew up and it's where I love, you know, if, if I can see you know, my neighbors and I'm too close to town. So, so how long you been back, um, messing around with the animals then? Um, oh, mostly for the last three years or so, I've really been back into it. Um, the business actually came about, uh, you know, I moved, I was in the Valley for a while down in Phoenix working in it, you know, me and my better half got back together after 18 years. And so I, you know, moved up here to be by her and, you know, decided, you know, I working in the Valley all the time, driving back and forth, you know, it was about a two hour drive each way. Um, I was like, it's just too much. So I started looking for stuff up here. Um, and then next thing I know, you know, bunch of cutbacks, I got hit with the ax on that one. So, you know, an IT guy in a small town, you know, it's hard to find work. So the wife goes, well, soon to be wife, uh, you know, go ahead and you need to do something with the pigs. You know, you're, you're, you're knowledgeable and you know, how, you know, you know, swine really well and you need to do something with that. So we just kind of ran with it. Okay. So the, the pigs, the swine, I guess, came, came first kind of as a, as a reaction almost to, uh, trying to figure out what to, what to do, what, how to make some money. Well, we, we originally started doing it because, you know, like, you know, like most people, you know, I don't, I don't like store-bought meat. I don't like the dyes they put in it to get the color. I don't like the antibiotics and the chemicals and stuff that they use, uh, you know, in even organic meat production, there's still 32 uh, synthetic, you know, things that are allowed to be used uh, according to the USDA. And to me, you know, if it's synthetic, it's not organic. You, you can't, you know, you have to pick one or the other. You can't do both. Um, so we, we just, you can, if you control definitions, you can, you're right. <laughs> you know, so we decided that, you know, we're, we're doing our own for us anyway. You know, we're, we're not organic. We actually fall closer in line with uh, holistic than anything else. Um, you know, our hogs, they don't see a needle a day in their life, you know, since you know, typically swine in general are iron deficient, we let them root. So we keep steel plates around the pen that way, when it rains, it oxidizes and replenishes the iron in the soil. Um, 
So we actually just let them root to get all their iron. If we have any, they get sick and need, you know, treatment with antibiotics or anything like that. We actually pull them out of our rotation for what we sell. Um, and we use those specifically for us, uh, you know, for our own consumption instead of what we sell off to our customers. Right. Now, so how does that work things? I know you're not certified organic per se, right? You Correct. And is that because, I don't know, you don't agree or you don't necessarily follow their guidelines specifically enough? Or is it just like a cost thing? Because I know sometimes, I mean, it's incredibly expensive to be certified organic. And then, like you said, if you have, you know, an animal that needs to be taken out of the herd because it's sick and it needs, you know, something to stay alive, um, it's not organic anymore. And then you, your whole herd has to be, I don't know, recertified or or looked at again. And, um, I mean, so what, what, how does that work for you guys? What do you, how'd you make that decision? Well, with the organic, you know, some of the chemicals and stuff that they do allow actually, um, uh, and certain antibiotics are uh, allowed uh, to still be considered organic. I actually have an article on our website that uh, goes through, it links out to the USDA's uh, list of approved synthetic chemicals or whatever they, they call it for what's considered organic meat production. Um, I actually broke down all of those, uh, what those chemicals and you know items and stuff are, and then link out to their official document listing those. Um, I actually put that up, I think last month on our website, um, you know, because I think it's something people should know if they go to the store. I mean, in my mind, organic in itself is just a marketing gimmick. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, there's certain chemicals that you wouldn't want to ingest that they allow to use as disinfectants and stuff like that. And, in the, you know, the hog pens, well, anybody with half of a brain knows that those chemicals are, can be absorbed through the skin and still get into the meat. So even if it's a, you know, a 58 day hold time before the animal can be processed, well, they're still residual from that stuff in the meat. And it just, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. So because of that, you know, we decided, you know, we, we want to keep all of ours as absolutely close to natural as we absolutely can. You know, we keep them in pens. We let them roll in mud. We don't use concrete floors. Um, you know, the mud serves a couple of purposes. For worming, we use food-grade diatomaceous earth, which most people know is just crust-up seashells. Um, but it helps with deworming, and it also helps keep their digestional tract flowing properly. So because of that, actually, all of our animals get it. Our chickens, dogs, hogs, donkey, horses, everything. <laughs> yeah, good deal. I, I did not know that about uh, the diatomaceous earth being used as a, as a wormer in, in pigs. I, I'm not that familiar with pigs. We've thought about it a little bit here and there, uh, maybe maybe raising one or two for ourselves, but um, haven't quite gotten that far yet, trying to, trying to go slow, you know? Um, Word of advice, when you get them, if you get them young, get them freshly weaned, and then just spend time with them, mess with them, pet them. Um, I've got a guilt that we're breeding. We haven't decided we're going to do it later this year or early next year. I don't want her pregnant through the summer because we are or through the winter, uh, just because this last winter we actually got to seven below up here, and uh, you know we have to increase their feed through the winter because they're burning off so many calories to deal with the cold just to keep themselves warm, um, and then you have to increase when they're pregnant and nursing anyway. So I really don't want to 
go up that much as far as feed goes. So, yeah. What kind of, what kind of hogs do you raise? We actually, ours are actually a combination of Hampshire, Yorkshire, and Duroc. Um, the Duroc is where you get your good hams from, your good pork chops. The Hampshire and Yorkshire are actually better as far as like bacon pigs. So they get the better bellies um, to get your, your better bacon production off of. Okay. Right. Is that, and that's, um, I know, is that what you grew up around or is that what you f- were familiar with or did you have to kind of familiarize yourself with them? I had to familiarize myself with them. It was uh, hogs in general. Um, my uncle did them. I was never really that much into them. I was around for processing, but that was about it. Um, after that, it was just taking the last couple of years and just diving myself into as much information, as much knowledge from reputable sources that I could get my hands on. And then digesting that and trying different things and figuring out what worked for us and what didn't. So, uh, how, how many, how many pigs do you guys have on hand at at any given time? I guess, I mean, I know, you know, if you just have a a litter, you're going to have a whole bunch more, but you know, I mean, then if right after you send them off to get processed. (laughs) So we want all of our pigs, uh, well, hogs to basically live a great life and then just have one bad day. Um, You know, so we go out, we mess with them. We we scratch them behind the ear. They love that. Um, You know, and we, we treat them like their family. You know, we treat them almost like pets and like, like a part of the family. Cause at the end of the day, you know, we butcher it six to eight months. So for that period, that's exactly what they are. They're, They're just a part of the family. So what we typically do right now is we have one gilt that well, we'll be breeding, well, within the next year, she'll be getting bred for the first time. Uh, we've got two pigs right now that are roughly 50, 60 pounds each right now. Um, you know, so we keep three at the moment. We had three, uh, two others that we took into processing. Um, they were actually heavier than normal. They were right around 500 pounds a piece, a piece when we processed them. Uh, usually we go at about 285 pounds live weight so we can get a better quality cut. Uh, you know, we focus, especially for anything that we're going to sell to customers, we focus more on quality than we do quantity. You know, at the end of the day, I want people, you know, when they, when they you know, have one of our pork chops or, you know, cut into our ham, they look at it, it's got that nice fat layer for flavor, but it's not overly fatty like you get in a lot of stuff in the store. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have a good good quality product, otherwise people aren't going to come back. You know, it doesn't, you know, doesn't make sense to give them, give them something subpar. They're going to go somewhere else, you know. Um, but I'm kind of curious about the the pig. So it's a, it's a mix of, of three. Um, has that, have... I guess what kind of, uh, what generation are you working on or, or, or well, the you, breeder, you know what I mean? The, Cause you, when they, when they all get hybridized and, and, um, eventually certain qualities will, will come up that, you know, might not have been there in the parents or do you, you know, is, is it like, uh, I don't know, like tomatoes or something where, you know, the first generation is really good and then you have to go back and, and make that cross again, um, you know, for the, the second generation or can you keep kind of working off that that first generation of, of piglets well kind of how we do it right now uh anyway is we actually get our 
babies from a breeder uh, as soon as they're weaned from the month from the south. Um, so they actually have the breeds that they actually breed together. So we're running typically, you know, first or second generation. Um, once we uh, breed our own, we're going to start really looking at the characteristics that we want to bring out more based off the cuts that we've gotten from previous uh, processes. Um, and then we'll start adjusting our breeding uh, that way. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, that selective, selective breeding over time and get you a, a product you you want to work with, you know, um, then that's the way it should be, you know? Um, yeah. Temperament is huge with, with hogs. Um, mainly because, you know, when they get up to four, 400, 500 pounds live weight, you know, especially for your breeders, you know, if you really want them docile, so you don't want something that, you know, we had, uh, our two babies we put down with our guilt, uh, actually in a pen right next to hers. Uh, cause she got depressed when we took the other two to the prop to the plant. Um, so she wouldn't eat, she wouldn't drink. She was there for two or three days. And, you know, I was sitting out there with her for hours every day, keeping her company and trying to get her spirit back up. So we went ahead and took the babies down, put them in a pen right next to her while she blew through the fence and got them in with her. <laughs> so I was like, you gotta be kidding. I mean, we're using horse panels down there for them, you know, and she blew right through it. And, uh, so I was like, okay, well, we need to split them back out because, you know, they're still babies. They're just weaned. They're about, a, you know, a little over a month old. Uh, you know, she's 450, 500 pounds. Uh, so I went in there to grab them, and she actually chased me over the fence. Um, so finally, I was like, you know what? She's not hurting them. They're, they're thriving. They're doing well. She's spirits back. We'll just leave them. Uh, and they're still in there now. That's, that's funny, man. Yeah, I, that's... That's one of the things you learn with, with animals when they start, you start working with animals that are a little bit bigger. Um, you, you, if you can't control them, man, look out. Cause it's, uh, it, it's dangerous. It's, it can, it can, I don't know. But, um, do you do the processing? You don't do the processing, right? I know you're, you're certified or you have a certified processor or something. Is that? We do. We, uh, we actually use Malapai meat packing up in Taylor which is, I think their plant's like 10 minutes from, from our property. Um, so we actually run it through them because they're all Arizona Department of Agriculture certified. So anything that we get out of there, except anything that's smoked or cured, because uh, they don't have the certification for that. But anything other than that that we get out of there, we're completely good to resell. Um, I could do the processing. I mean, we I've done our, our, our own hogs, but reselling then there's a whole nother series of licensing and inspections that that are involved in that at least in arizona and i mean the cost behind it you know is it's pretty high so you know with funding not being you know to that level you know we're we're holding off we might move into it later on uh you know we might not uh we're just going to kind of play it by ear yeah it's uh it's interesting you know that that that's the way it is you raise these pigs up and you give them the best life they can. And then like you, you can't be the one to, to finish it off, to see it all the way through. Um, right. I mean, you can for yours, but not for, you know, what you're going to, going to resell, at least not, not financially. Um, you know, right. It, it sucks. You know, it, it does. Cause you, I mean, you know, and the last two, the last two that I did, uh, were two of our hogs from last year. And, you know, I, I don't, a lot of people use a 22 behind the ear to, to, you know, put them down. And, you know, my worry is I've seen people do that and it not go well. 
and then the animal was running around suffering. So I did it was I used a 45, uh, which I always have glued to me anyway, just because, you know, we do have a lot of coyote issues and stuff like that out here. Um, but I use that with and made basically to just made an X from like the right ear to the left eye and then did the same from the other side. And then I just placed the shot right where those two imaginary lines intersect. And there wasn't a squeal. There wasn't, as soon as it hit, they just dropped. It was done, uh, which is exactly what we wanted. No suffering. So when we went to the plant, one of the very first questions I asked them after their certification was, how do you put them down? Do you use an active bolt? Do you, what they do is they do a 22 behind the ear. So, but they don't, I've, I've watched them do a couple. Uh, they have no issues. The, the guy that they have doing it, he knows his stuff. Uh, he knows his anatomy extremely well on these animals. So he gets it every time for a shot. So, you know, so we decide, okay, you know, we, we, we agree with how they're doing it. You know, the animal doesn't suffer. They don't want to see the animal suffer. Uh, their, their stance as far as, I guess you'd call it ethically is the same as what ours is. So, you know, that's, we do all of our processing through there. I mean, it is what it is to each individual, you know, but I think for me anyway, that was always something that's been kind of, kind of important, you know, um, you don't want to see an animal suffer. Like that's not, you know, I don't, not very many people do. And then the people that do are, uh, hey, you know, right. yeah. <laughs> not sure I want to know them, but, um, yeah, I agree. How many, how many, how big is that plant? Is it like a big um, process? Is it just kind of more of a, it's a small privately owned place. Um, they run, let's see, we usually, because they process on Monday mornings is when they, is their kill day. And then we drop them off on Sunday night because they don't want them to eat for about 24 hours before processing. Uh, because if they do, then when they go to actually clean the carcasses out, uh, they're increased risk of fecal matter falling into the meat, stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's meat they got to cut out. And I mean, if you get it real, like within 30 seconds, you know, and you get it washed out real good, you're okay. Um, but their policy is if, if fecal matter at all touches the meat, then that meat gets cut out. Um, so it's, it's pretty small. I think when we dropped the last two off, on, uh, dropped them off on a Sunday night, there was one other hog there and I think six cattle. But they do sheep and they do, you know, all that in there too, wild game. So That's cool. That's cool. How is, and I know... I know you got a, a little one sleeping. Do you have it? Uh, how is it just one kid you have, or do you have a couple of well, ones? He's actually or? 17. He just, you know, as a teenager, likes to sleep all day. All right. All right. <laughs> but he's actually inside. I'm outside right now. So, so I guess he's a little older. You can kind of under understand it a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Does it, does it phase him at all? Cause I know, you know, I, I have my oldest one is nine, you know, and the youngest one is two. And, you know, we used to do like meat rabbits and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of, they learn, I guess, um, as they just kind of see it, it comes and goes. But, um, I imagine with some of the, the larger animals, um, that are around for longer that you actually, um, you know, really are, are interacting with daily multiple times. Um, those, you know, you can build a relationship and it, it can be tough to, to put that animal down and, and to, to turn it into food. Um, right. But was that ever an issue for, for your guy? Uh, well, with him, the biggest issue he's had was a coyote to come across the property uh, last year. And 
you know, he ran out because we've been losing chickens left and right. Yeah. He, uh, he ran in, grabbed my 22 and, and shot it when we went up, you know, he calls, Oh my God, I got a coyote, you know? And so, you know, me and the other half came home and we went and looked at it and it was probably about a six month old female pup. Yeah. And, you know, he felt really bad about that. He's like, I didn't want to shoot a pup. And, you know, it's like, look, with, with the amount of them that are out here and the issues that we're having, you know, she'd have had more. I mean, she was inside the fence line. She was running to the chicken coop. So it's not like he just did it for sport. Um, but the, the hogs and, you know, and the larger stuff like that, he really doesn't have too much of an issue with. He doesn't really go down there and mess with them. Uh, he might help me haul water down to him or something once in a while, but for the most part, he just stays away. Um, you know, he, he, he's one of those kids that it, it would definitely, it would have an effect on him. Uh, he would have a hard time with it as much as he wants to act like it doesn't. Yeah, no, it, it's tough, man. I, I remember as a kid, you know, hunting and stuff. Um, and there was a phase when I just didn't because it, it, you know, it bothered me. But then when you kind of think about it and, make all the connections, um, you know, to, I, I feel better about doing it myself than, than, you know, right. Getting, you know, getting my meat at Walmart. Yeah. My, my big thought is, you know, it's, it's okay to feel bad about, you know, butchering out an animal. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You just, you want to make sure that one above all, you're absolutely grateful for that animal's sacrifice to put food on your table. Um, which is as corny as it sounds, you know, these hogs, you know, after six, eight months, I'm pretty attached to them. You know, I'm in there interacting with them every single day, multiple times a day. Um, you know, so you get really attached to them and it, it's definitely hard to, you know, to, to make that shot and put them down. But I always tell myself, you know, that's why we've got them. You know, we give them food names, uh, except for the guilt we got now, actually, she was a runt. Uh, with a umbilical hernia when we got her. So our breeder gave her to us and they told us, you know, we don't think she's going to survive. Well, now she's pushing 500 pounds. Um, you know, my, my other half, absolute animal lover, uh, extremely knowledgeable. You know, our the kid, he worked with, actually he worked with our vet for quite a while. So he learned a ton from him. So, you know, that's great to have out here. Um, but you know, it's, you've got to be, you've got to be grateful and you've got to be thankful for that, to that animal for their sacrifice, you know, because at the end of the day, they're giving up their life so that we can continue to live our lives. Yeah. Yep. And it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's one of those things. It's important to, to think about and to remember and keep that in mind. And you know, that it's not, and I think you lose that a little bit when, when you are just getting your meat saran wrapped and, uh, you have no idea really where it came from or, or how it got there. Um, it's just is on your plate or in your shopping cart or, or whatever. But, um, well, the big issue with a lot of the mass produced stuff too, is just the way the animals are treated. I mean, you know, we got Smithfield foods has a hog farm, right? Just down the road from us. Um, uh, and they actually, you know, they're pretty good about how, you know, the treatment of their animals. Um, you know, I'm not going to knock them. They, they actually do pretty good, pretty good by them. Uh, but you know, I mean, you can go on YouTube and you can look it up and you can see some of the conditions that a lot of these animals are left in like farrowing pens. Um, you know, I know in Arizona, they're illegal, um, you know, because it doesn't allow the sow to move. She can't turn around or, you know, she, or move forward or back. She can lay down, she can stand up and that's how she spends her life. And that is, 
as wrong as it gets, you know, it's, it, it puts more stress on the animal. It's not healthy, you know, cause it, you know, then they're laying in their own waste and it's just, it really makes me angry to see, you know, animals treated like that. I mean, ours are in a pen, you know, we don't pasture them just due to space, but so they're in a pen, but that pen, it's, it's a big pen. We've got a couple trees in there that they can, you know, if they have for shade, we've got shade up for them. We keep a mud hole for them so they can roll in mud. We keep, you know, 55 gallon water barrel out there for them to drink out of. Actually, the YouTube video I'm getting ready to shoot later today. I'm actually making a second one for them so I can keep 110 gallons down there for them because we don't have water line runs, so we have to haul it with a tractor. Um, so the more we have down there, the better, because, uh, you know, hauling it, let's face it, hauling water is just a pain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my one of my projects, I think, right now is to get water water run to different areas on the, on the property at this point because moving water, trucking water, dragging hoses, doing whatever. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a nightmare. So it is, it is. I just use a 55 gallon drum, uh, plastic food grade barrel. Uh, the one I actually have was, uh, previously filled with soy sauce. So rub it out real good. And, you know, that's the big thing for, you know, any of your listeners that, you know, that want to do something like that, you know, that it's great to do. You just got to really be conscious of what was in it previously, especially with the plastic barrel, because, you know, they, they do have pores that these things will seep into and it'll seep back out into the water once it's full. So you just really want to be conscious of what was previously in it before you decide to use it for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found one on the side of the road the other day and uh, I forget what it was, but it was some some pesticide. And I was like, yeah, well, I'll pass on that one. Some, you know. Right. <laughs> But um, I'm curious about the, uh, the, the business side of things. Um, how did you guys, how, how did you get into that, I guess? How did you start marketing um, your pork? Or was it, you know, you, you had some friends that you gave it to? And how, how did that come to fruition? So it started, it was, you know, we all, well, before we moved up here, we were down in Gizela, just outside of Payson. Every month we do a big bar bonfire and barbecue and, you know, have all our friends over and, you know, the, the usual adult beverages and, you know, all that. Um, and they fell in love with the pork. You know, when we did the last two, we had a bunch of people over to help with it. Um, we did a big bonfire and barbecue that night, you know, through tenderloin, a fresh tenderloin on the grill and all that. And, uh, you know, they fell in love with it. They're like, oh, this is absolutely amazing. Well, at that point, we were still playing with what we were feeding. Uh, we were still trying to get that figured out. Um, and it was still, it still came out really good. So, you know, my other half looks at me, she goes, you really, you need to do this as a business. You, you know, you, you're, you're, not, you're looking for work. You're not having any luck. She goes, you know, maybe, you know, you've got the knowledge. Maybe this is something that, you know, you could do. You've got the technical ability. And so, you know, we started talking about it. I was real hesitant to it first, you know, I was like, man, but I've got, you know, all these major pork producers, you know, if you look at market price on, on lean hogs right now on the commodities market, you know, it's running on average, you know, I'm not sure what it is today, but you know, a couple months ago, is it like 60 cents a pound? I'm like, I can't even feed them to market weight for that. You know, I'd lose money just selling, selling market like that. Um, so we started doing whole and half hogs, you know, a little bit on the side. Um, the guy who actually came in, he actually came in uh, uh, and bought 15% of the company because he wanted, he wanted to be in early on it. Uh, a co-worker of mine, you know, which is, uh, it's great, but 
uh, he goes, I want a hog. So, you know, last year we've got everything set up, you know, we can invoice and do online payments and all that kind of stuff. Um, so what he did was he just come in, bought a whole hog right there. I was like, well, I don't even have the hog yet. And uh, I was like, we're not even picking her up for a couple of months. Cause you know, we're waiting for this litter to hit the ground uh, from our breeder. And he's like, Oh, that's okay. You know, I was like, well, we can get to you by end of next year. You know, if you want to just put a deposit and then, you know, pay the balance off by then he's like, Oh no, I'll just pay the whole thing now. So uh, one of the two we got out there now is actually one is actually his, but he, uh, but he goes, man, he goes, you, you got, you need to do this. He goes, you know, you need to run with it. So between him and my other half hammered me, I was like, fine. So we went out, we got the LLC taken care of, uh, which I actually got that back from the corporation commission five hours after I filed the articles of organization. Um, so that actually goes into full effect on the 23rd of this month because I fat fingered it. It was supposed to be last month, but you know, uh, so as far as marketing right now, you know, we've got the YouTube channel uh, where, you know, we show what we feed, um, you know, how much we feed, different things that we got going around here, not just the hogs. Um, I'm actually in the process of building a new chicken coop out of old wooden pallets, um, which is actually so far that first one's been pretty popular. Um, so it's just basically, you know, what we're doing around here. I mean, it's a part of the business, but we're not, you know, I don't focus on, I'm not trying to sell. Uh, I'm trying to give knowledge, you know, I want to be able to any customer, potential customer, I want to be able to give them more than what they're getting than what they're paying from us. So if they come in and they buy, you know, five pounds of pork chops, so like two pork chops, um, you know, I want to be able to give them more if they're paying, you know, $30 for that. Well, I want to give them a hundred dollars worth of knowledge back. Right. Yeah. Well, I, that, I mean, it just that one article on um the antibiotics the USDA uh list of uh uh whatever the synthetic um chemicals you can use or whatever uh that i mean that's that's to me that that's hugely interesting and that's something that um you know needs to be shared more people need to be aware that you know organic doesn't mean organic cage free doesn't mean cage free um you know, the, it, this natural, all natural does not mean that it is all natural. It is this, you know, adulterated definition of, of a term that doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, and to, I think when you get down to, you know, smaller people, um, you know, building businesses and trying to, you know, work one-on-one -on -one with, with the consumer and really build a product, um, that, that the consumer wants and, and can relate to. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's important. And I think it's, uh, it's good to see. I, I, you know, well, that was the, you know, I, the big reason I even, I even wrote that article was, you know, I was like, you know, that's information that people need to know. I mean, they're going to the store and they're paying more money for organic thinking, Oh, well, there's no chemicals. There's no, and that's not the case. You know, I mean, in my, to me, you know, my personal opinion is that falls under false advertising. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, it, it could just be individual perception, but you know, it's or people think organic means no chemicals and all that, and then they see this, you know, then they see this list that the USDA puts out of what's approved and what's not, and they're like, wait a minute, that's there's a lot of chemicals in there. How is that organic? So we focus ours, and you know, we can't legally we can't use the term organic uh, for our port because we're not certified. Eventually, we would we will just because that you know, allows us to reach out to a broader market. Um, 
but we're still going to do things just the way we do them. Uh, you know, the pork. So I did a test a while back that we went to the store, we picked up some pork chops that were USDA certified organic. And then we took some of our pork chops that have never seen a needle a day in their life. Um, and we grain feed them start to finish. And we grilled them up and we actually compared them and you can actually taste the difference. I mean, granted, you've got you know time that it's allowed to sit in the stores before it has to be sold. So, you know, there is that difference there. Um, but I mean, the flavor in itself was completely different. So then I got to looking and that's how I found that list that the USDA puts out. And I was like, I can't believe more people need to know this. You know, this isn't something that's just, that's widely known. So I wrote the article on it and I published that on our website. And then I shared it out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, it, shoot, I even got the picture on Pinterest, you know, you know, it, it, I want to get that word out because that's something that, you know, even people who are doing it themselves, you know, or who might be looking into, you know, maybe doing pork as a business, you know, they immediately want to run out and go, you and go organic because that's what, you know, society or the USDA or whoever else is telling them that's the only way to go. That's the best way to go. When in reality, it's nothing more than just a marketing gimmick. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, you know, it really is. You, you think of organic and this idea of like, you know, a, a pretty pink pig and a, and a little tutu like playing in the field and, you know, and, and who knows? They're, they're in this, you know, boxed in cage and they're, you know, like you said, they can't move forward. They can't go backwards. Um, and who knows what kind of chemicals they, they can have and what they, you know, it's just, it's total. Well, even some of the disinfectants that they're, that they're allowed to use in the pens and around the animals, you know, it's like, I wouldn't want that. I don't want that in my body, you know, and it's still, you know, no matter how hard they try, if they use it around the animals, it's going to absorb into their skin. And I mean, yeah, you know, they say, generally speaking, 30 days, you know, those kind of things are clear from their system, but there's always residual that's left in the meat that you can't get rid of, you know, and it's, you know, that's why we actually tell people when they ask us, you know, are your pigs or are your, you know, is your pork organic? We say, no, we're actually closer to what you would call holistic. You know, they're, they're grain fed start to finish. They don't get injections. If they do get sick and, you know, they have to be treated with antibiotics, then we pull them out of, a, out of what we sell and we use them for our own personal because I'd rather, you know, have to deal with that than tell a customer, hey, we don't use this stuff. And all of a sudden we slip one in. That, that's, that's garbage. You know, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It is um so is that what you mean when you when you say holistic then that um I I'm not heard that before I don't think. Um So basically it's nothing that is synthetic imitation uh if it's not real <laughs> they don't get it. Okay. Uh, so with ours we actually use uh it's corn, soy, which actually soy is actually a new thing. We were using wheat midland before because of the higher protein content. Uh, but the price of that went up and I didn't want to have to skyrocket our prices to account for, to compensate for that. Um, and we can get soya bulk. So, uh, you know, it's, it's grains, it's corn, it's, it's soy. There's some, a little bit of wheat in there. It's not the Midland, but there's some wheat in there. And then we mix in the diatomaceous earth. We pick it up from the farm. Um, and that's what they eat, you know, and how much they get, you know, depends on their age, but you know, but that's what they get plenty of water and, you know, um, 
brewer's yeast is absolutely great, but I'm still playing with that idea, trying to figure out, well, is that going to still fit into our narrative? What we're, you know, what we're selling our product as, or is it not? If, if I can legitimately, and that's the key word, legitimately justify it and stay within that, that, you know, all natural, then that's what we'll do. But if not, you know, then, Hey, we won't do it. Yeah. You know, figure, figure those things out and, you know, and do what you can, I guess. But, uh, all right. So if, um, if people want to get pork from you or they want to check out your, your YouTube videos or see what else you've, you've written and watch you put together a, a chicken coop, uh, where, where should they go? What's the best way to, um, to find you, I guess, to, uh, see what you're doing. The best way to find all of our social media stuff is whitemountainslivestock.com. Um, up in the top corner, they've got, you know, it's got links to our YouTube channel, our Twitter page, our Facebook page, Instagram, Pinterest, all of that. So that's the one place they can go to find everything. Um, if they want to get pork from us, as long as they're in Arizona, which is where we're legal to sell, um, you know, they can get us on the website. Uh, we're working towards USDA certification so that we can go nationwide. Um, I don't want to keep people, you know, in Maryland or, you know, down, down there with you in Georgia that are like, well, we want good pork too, but we can't really get it. You know, so we're going for that just so we can legally sell a nationwide. Is, is that a, that's a certification thing? You're, 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 so you're certified through Arizona, but you, you haven't paid your money to the USDA yet. So you can't sell it to somebody in New Mexico or what? How does that work? Well, in Arizona, how the certification works is we ourselves don't have to be certified, but the plant that does our processing does. So since they do the processing, they package it. It's inspected by the Arizona Department of Agriculture at the plant multiple times. Um, we actually save the, get the lard back or get the fat back from them. Cause you know, my other half renders lard with it. And you know, we, we see the stamp from, from the inspector, you know, in a couple different places on it where it's been inspected multiple times. So, um, as long as it's packaged there, we're fine. Um, you know, with, you know, obviously with health department, okay. And everything for us storing and that stuff. But, um, so yeah, we ourselves don't have to be certified, but wherever our, our pork is processed and packaged, it does. Even though they're certified through Arizona, the state, whatever, the, the state um, health department or whatever, um, you can't ship that to like New Mexico or Utah or right. Maine. Right. So what, so how then at that point you have to get USDA certified or you have to find a processor that's USDA certified or how, what, what's either the, or. either or right now, uh, there is the only USDA processor I've been able to find in the state is down in Tucson, which is like six hours away from us. So, you know, it's, if somebody out of state wants to order pork, you know, and have it ship it to overnight it to them, uh, you know, we could absolutely do that, but it has to be a large order because we have to be able to cover the fuel cost of hauling the animal, you know, six to eight hours away, plus the processing costs. And it's, it's expensive. Uh, you know, I mean, our prices, how we come up with them is we went to the store, we looked at what was there, and then we added a dollar on per pound for ours. And, 
you know, everybody that's had it raves about how much better it is. So I'm like, well, okay, if every, if the customers are screaming, it's so much better then I feel okay. Adding a dollar per pound on, you know, I mean, that might change later, you know, I mean, luckily, and I was watching this huge, and a lot of your listeners might've been too, was the corn planting in the U S this year. Yeah. Delay. I mean, I saw an article yesterday that the USDA put out that they're, they're as of yesterday, they were at 92% planted, uh, which I was really excited to see because I was terrified of what the corn prices would do next year. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I, I've seen it a little bit, uh, and I know, I don't know, just down here where, where I am, um, we had, it just started raining last, last week it rained, I think maybe the week before, but we had like two or three weeks where it just, it did not rain. It was, you know, 90 plus hundred degrees, a couple of days and the corn just, it stunted, it withered. Um, there, you know, since it started raining, it's come back a bit, but there's, you know, there's guys that, that, you know, the, the big guys that have the, the, Fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar watering setups. Um, it doesn't affect them too much, but you know the guys that have like five acres of corn that don't have the big, you know, irrigations, they get screwed. They get hammered. They they can't, you know. And it just it's it's uh, so yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes. <laughs> well, anymore, you know, agriculture. I mean, just I mean, from us being just a small startup, you know, trying to navigate through all the licensing and. You know, we've got, you know, like our egg producers license from Arizona Department of Ag for nest run eggs. Uh, so not graded, not certified, unwashed, which to me is perfectly fine. You know, they'll hold months like that. Um, but then the health department comes in and says, no, they have to be washed and they have to be stored at 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, then that negates what nest run eggs are on the, based on the Department of Ag certification or, uh, you know, license. So that completely contradicts itself. You can't get a straight answer out of either one of them. You know, and it's, it's hard for the little guy to come in with, without a lot of money. I mean, we're starting literally, you know, thousand dollars is what we've done with all is what we have invested into everything. You know, we don't, we don't have a lot of money, you know, like a lot of people out there, you know, trying to, you know, get more and more into self-sustainability. So, you know, for us trying to navigate all this political garbage and legal, you know, these legal mazes is it's, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And it's, um, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily built like that. Um, but it definitely does not, uh, doesn't tend to, to help people that need help. You know, it, it helps the people that, uh, that, that have all the money that have, they, they can help make the rules and help, you know, right. Help the, it's just, you know, the, I'd love, uh, I would love to be able to say, you know what, we can sell nationwide starting tomorrow. Um, I would absolutely love to be able to. Um, but you know, unfortunately, you know, legally we were, our hands are tied, you know, we can do Arizona and that's fine. Um, but even then, you know, if they come for local pickup, not a problem. If they catch us at a farmer's market, not a problem. But we can't, still can't ship it to them. We can't drive it to them because we're not licensed for transport. And it's, it's still, it's it's a nightmare. But, you know, it, it's something that we're working through. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, our goal is to be able to provide the best quality pork that people have been able to get their hands on that doesn't have the chemicals. You know, I mean, okay, did you know that the pork in the store, when it gets that nice red coloring, that's actually a dye. So... Like when we process it out, it's almost white, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it's got a little bit of a pink tint to it, but it's not, it doesn't have that, that 
deep, that bright, that red coloring on it because we don't usually die. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy what, what is out there and it's crazy how much it, how much it costs to try to get started when it, it really shouldn't cost that much, you know? Um, well, I mean, there's multiple licenses, you know, for, for the, for the pogs, you know, there's one, you don't have to deal with the health department and all that. If you're doing live hogs, which is one thing that we do do, um, you know, in case somebody wants to pick up, you know, a freshly weaned pig and take it home and raise it themselves from or you know, to process themselves or whatever, you know, we do that. We do market weight hogs, which is our, actually our specialty. But then recently we decided, you know, there's a lot of people, they come in, they want to buy a market weight hog but, or they want to buy, you know, fresh pork, but they can't hold, you know, 150, 200 pounds of pork. They, you know, they're re- maybe retired or they just don't have that kind of storage, you know? So my other half was, well, why don't we do cuts? So then that just rolled in a whole nother set of licensing and inspections and everything else, you know, so we could do cuts. Oh you know? man. <laughs> freezer with an external temperature display and all this. So when we go to a farmer's market, we have to pack it in dry ice. Um, you know, eggs have to be stored 45 degrees. We need a separate refrigerator for that. And it's, it, it, it's, it's hard. It really is. But, you know, our commitment to giving people something that's, that's real, something that isn't full of all the garbage, you know, it's strong enough that we're, you know, we're working through all of that. We're dealing with all of that. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how much of a hassle it is for us. It's about what we give our customers, the quality that they can have to feed their families. You know, the hormones that they put in hogs. I mean, there's a reason all of our little daughters are maturing so early. You know, they think, oh, it's, it's genetics. No, it's all the hormones. <laughs> it has more hormone in it than any other animal out there. You know, pork is right up there with it because they want to cut their feed costs. You know? and to me, it's, I'll charge a little bit more to be able to stay away from that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think people are, are starting to figure that out and there's definitely people out there that are, are willing to pay more to, to avoid those things, you know? And so. it's, you know, it, it's great too seeing people that, you know, I mean, you look on YouTube, you look at some of the homesteading channels out there. There's a guy down in Alabama, uh, his channel is Cog Hill Farms and he does great stuff. I, I love actually him and Justin Rhodes. I watch their stuff actually quite a bit. Um, I don't watch mine cause you know, I kind of cringe when I do, but I'm not a video guy, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy raising livestock and, you know, so I guess mine, I guess from what a couple of people told me are more real because it's, it doesn't have the big productions and, you know, this kind of stuff, but whatever, you know, it's, but you know, it's, I want people to be able to get natural and seeing more and more people doing their research and, and reading up on this stuff you know, and, and looking to be self-sustainable, you know, it's, it's, I love seeing it. You know, I would love to go back to the way it was in the mid 1800s. You know, I'd be perfectly okay with that. You know, I'll get rid of my truck and just ride, take my horse everywhere. You know, I'd be perfectly okay with that, you know, and see more and more people going that way, wanting to be self-sufficient, not have to rely on things. You know, I I think it's a great thing. I'm, I'm really happy to see people doing it. It's picking up steam, and I, I think it's it's picking up for for reasons, you know. That uh, oh yeah, deeper. So people are wising up, you know. Social media, it, as many negatives as it has, it's got a, late, a lot of great positives too to help get word out to people. Yeah, it has. I was I was thinking about that the the other day. It's it's um, it is a very interesting tool. <laughs> it cuts it cuts both ways real hard, you know. 
Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard to really. So, okay. Like Facebook, you know, any kind of advertising on there. Now everybody's saying they're undervalued right now, but you still got to have a chunk of change to put into it. Same thing with Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, any of the social media pages, you know, advertising in general. So what we're doing is our marketing budget is zero. So, you know, we do things, you know, like I try and be active in different groups on Facebook, not trying to push what I'm doing, but trying to help people out who might be in a position, you know, in a situation that I was in, you know, six months ago, a year ago, two years ago or whatever. Um, you know, knowledge is the one thing that's never going to lose value in this world. And in, who, people who are willing to share that are some of the best people in the world. Most of what I've learned, you know, I've learned from old timers, you know, guys that grew up in, you know, you know, decades ago that this is what their lives were. You know, I pick their brains as much as I possibly can because there's things and tricks that they know that you don't hear about anymore. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's so much value in that. And it is it's tough to to find people like that, but I, I do think the this sort of crowd um is is willing to share that knowledge and willing to, you know, put that knowledge out there and and I don't know. It, it, some people times sometimes you you share things with people and and it they think you're you're correcting them or you're, you know, telling them they're doing it wrong or something. It's this crowd is so understanding of that, that like, this is just my experience and this is what, this is how it worked. This is how I got things to work. Yeah. It's one thing my wife tells me all the time is, you know, you need to be, you know, I'm not great with people. So like when it comes to the sales and stuff like that, you know, my wife, or my well, soon to be wife, she actually handles the majority of that. I deal with all the, you know, the online stuff, the website, the YouTube, all of that stuff. She deals with, when it comes to dealing with people, that's where she's strong. Um, you know, so she, I kind of try and shy away from that a little bit because I know it's it's a weak point of mine. You know, I'll talk <laughs> to somebody and, you know, they'll ask a question and I go off on a 10-minute rant, which I'm pretty sure I've done here a couple of times. And I go off on a 10-minute rant, end up down rabbit holes and everything else, uh, you know, just with stuff I've learned, you know, or things that I've seen. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Do you love freedom? Do you love songs? Do you want to love all 365 days in a year? If you're anything like me, the simple answer is yes. And Freedom Song 365 can deliver all of these things. When you sign up for Freedom Song 365, you'll receive an email every day that delves into the different ways freedom and liberty are messaged in a massive catalog of music. Each message is carefully crafted into easily consumable paragraphs that give you the necessary information to share with your friends. I've been receiving Freedom Song 365 emails every day of 2019, and I've yet to be disappointed. But really, why should I be? With the fabulous minds of Nikki P. from the Sounds Like Liberty podcast, my guest from episode 4, Sherry Voluntary, and the wonderful Luke Tatum of the Culture of Peace podcast, there's more brain power utilized in the creation of each individual Freedom Song 365 email than is proffered in a whole day at any DMV across the country. Head on over to freedomsong365.com and sign up today to start receiving your daily emails of musical integrity. Use the promo code HOMESTEAD and you'll receive 15% off the superb service. Again, that's freedomsong365.com, promo code HOMESTEAD for 15% off. And back. 
Alright, so that was that was episode number 31 with Josh from White Mountains Livestock. I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that these show notes are at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 031. And when you're checking out the show notes, you can click on his links. You can go check him out on YouTube. You can go check him out on Instagram. I think I actually found him on Instagram. I, I saw the name and thought maybe maybe this is one of those weird free stater guys, you know? You know, there's White Mountains in, in New Hampshire, if you, if you didn't know that. But uh, ends up, he was in Arizona, and um, I'm glad I checked him out because he had, he did, he had lots of, um, lots of good information, lots of, lots of good stuff to share. So glad he came on. Glad you all got to hear. If you want to support the show, you can do that over at Patreon, patreon.com slash libertyhippie. Leave a review on iTunes, leave a rating on iTunes. Um, go click over to the Amazon link, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon, and uh, use use our affiliate link for all your back-to-school supplies, all your all your willy-nilly things you need off Amazon. You know you're over there. You know, you know you're buying stuff. So uh, just punch one URL in and click one little imaginary button, and uh, you're all set. It costs you nothing. Anyway, uh, I do. I appreciate you guys hanging out and uh, and checking out these uh, these shows. It, it's a uh, it's a fun thing, cool thing. So thanks for giving it a listen. Thanks for giving it a download. Um, share it with your friends. Share it with your mother. Share it with your brother. Uh, whoever, whoever you want to share it with. But uh, remember, get out there. Sow those seeds of liberty. We can all reap sheaves of freedom together. I'm gonna ride us